Listen and follow the Left Wing Rugby podcast with me, Will Slattery and Luke Fitzgerald. As far as I can see, I always want to get in the Irish team. And that should be every young player's dream and ambition in this country. And if you're playing in a place where you're not going to get the opportunities in the big games, that they're the ones that get you picked. They are the ones, the Champions Cup games are the ones that get you picked. You need to be playing in a team and starting in a team for those games. It's as simple as that if you want to play in the Irish team. Every week on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Remember, you can stay up to date on the latest news with the Irish Independent WhatsApp channel. This is an Irish Independent podcast. Today on the Indo Daily The killing of Nail and why France's immigrant population is furious. A wave of violent protests across France sparked by the shooting dead of a 17-year-old in Paris over a week ago has reopened long, festering wounds amongst the country's immigrant population. The world needs to know what's going on in France. The world needs to know that two police officers decided they could shoot a a 17-year-old in his car. The killing of Nail Merzouk has raised questions over the treatment of minorities by the French police force. There's been growing concern over police tactics in France and residents of Nanterre are angry. This police officer is a real disgrace, a disgrace to the police in general, and I think it's time for the authorities to take action to clean up the police force. And sparked outrage among all age groups from all corners of France. The rapid spread of protests across France took the authorities by surprise. Marseille on the Mediterranean coast is at the other end of the country from the scene of the deadly police shooting on Tuesday in the Paris suburb of Nanterre. I'm Siobhan Maguire and on today's episode I'm joined by two Irish independent journalists, Sylvia Omorodian and John Downing, to find out more about what's fueling the fires currently burning in France. Sylvia, I might start with you first. You lived in France for around eight years, your family's still in Normandy, you're over here working with us at the moment. I've no doubt you've been speaking with them and they're watching everything that has unraveled over the last seven days. So I might, if you don't mind, ask you to give us a very quick recap in relation to what has set these riots off. So there was a video that was posted on Twitter that showed really what happened. So what you can see from the video is um, the policeman has an eye on gunpoint and you could hear like in French him saying that I'm going to put a bullet to your head if you translate it like word for word. And then like um, all of a sudden like you can hear the gunshots and the car moves. So I think what what was said initially was that uh, Nayel was driving towards the the policeman. That's why he was like he was shot. But you could see that the car goes off the rail right after he was shot. So uh, I think the problem right now is that because there is a video. That's the reason, well, not a problem, but like the reason why this has become so global is because there was a video of it. This is not the first case that's of police brutality, especially when it comes to minority groups. 
And to say that I have experienced this firsthand, but I've been in a car with a friend or a relative who is black, of uh, just like myself, and you know, we d- they would have this fear whenever they're driving. Oh, like there's police behind me. Like, are we gonna get stopped? Are we gonna get checked? And we might just be going to the beach or going to see to watch a movie. But that constant fear to, to think that oh, like when you're supposed to feel safe because there. There is police around and you you have this fear that you might get stopped and something might happen. I'm pretty sure that the mother of Nayel was expecting her son back that evening or back that day. I'm used to desensitizing, well, trying to get my feelings off things like this because it's the job. But sometimes it gets to you. And this was one of those cases just because it's so close to home. You know, I'm a member of a minority community. I've lived in France and now as well, like I have a younger brother. So it's just very close to home to think that this is just one case. But there are a lot of them happening still. John, there's outrage among the immigrant population over what happened. And there have been several, several incidents in the past. Um, Now, you're going to talk to me a little bit about a study you came across that clearly shows that that people of colour are discriminated against by the French police. Yes, it's uh, it's a shocking incident unto itself, but to produce a week of sustained rioting, it has to really, it is because there is such uh, barely concealed uh, inter-community tension, a strong belief among uh, Muslim and ethnic citizens of France that they are unduly policed, that they are, as a study in 2017, an independent study showed they're 20 times more likely to be the subject of an identity control than your white Caucasians. And that's just one example of the type of thing. It's a strange situation. People believe uh, there have been various waves of this going back to 1979. This happened in, in a place called Nanterre, which is uh, one of the near near suburbs of France, curiously the centre of a lot of action in 1968 at a new university there, student rioting. Um, there was a huge issue in 2005 when two uh, North, uh, two young guys of North African descent Uh, were killed as they tried to get away from uh, the police in similar sort of circumstances. On that occasion, there were three weeks of continuous rioting. We are now heading into our second week of, of unrest, street protests and considerable violence in France. You mentioned the 2005 riots and that was the situation where Zaid Bena and Buna Traore um, were tragically killed. There's talk now of what's happening being very similar in terms of the level of violence. The riots have been instead compared here to 2005, when the death of two youths trying to flee police sparked uh, three weeks of clashes and a state of emergency. But this time around, John, you also have the French politicians siding with the fact that some kind of social injustice has taken place. There is a strong view that uh, there is a real problem with uh, institutionalized racism in the French police service. Now, personally, I've lived, I've, I've lived in Netherlands. I lived for ten years in Belgium. I lived in Germany. 
I spent probably cumulatively about three years in France. There are very searching questions about how the police are trained and how they are inducted into a system. Many of them are, are themselves very young and raw recruits to the service and they're put into these flashpoints. The 2005 incident, Clichy-sous-Bois, it's uh, one, of, one of the further out suburbs of... Uh, of uh, Paris and uh, there's an extraordinary statistic about Clichy-sous-Bois. 60% of the people living there are uh, immigrants, the bulk of those of North, North African origin or descent. And three out of four children in there have in Clichy-sous-Bois, have a non-French parent, at least one. So it is a huge ghetto in reality. And of course, one of the difficulties for the French authorities is the very minute uh, a migrant uh, family get their legs under them, get, make a bit of progress in terms of work and income, then they leave places like Clichy-sous-Bois and a new immigrant family comes in, a new poor and, and ill-equipped immigrant family lands in there and the thing perpetuates itself. Sylvia, is it quite clear cut in terms of people having one opinion on people of colour? Or are they open to change? Um, I think in France or like, you know, when it comes to, when it comes to cases like, uh, say, if a black footballer is doing well, then he's French. And then when, say, a black man kills somebody, then they say things like, oh, you know, take him back to Africa or they should, the government should stop letting people like this into the country or stuff like that. So you you have this kind of double standards in a way that, um, you know, maybe a wrongdoing or even a right doing is attributed to someone's race, for example. So I think in France, like, it's, um, diversity is not a new thing. You know, there's a large demographic of the Arab community from um, Morocco or from um, Algeria, Tunisia. There is a large Maghreb community in France, as well as the black community as well. Um, like I'm Nigerian, so I would know a whole lot of other Nigerian families there. Nile himself, whose family is from, um, uh, I think, Morocco and Algeria, in his case, he was targeted because... He was Arab. And uh, John, the French are no strangers to protests. Um, they're, they're pretty good at it over the centuries. I want to say this is uh, what's happening now is completely different to, say, the yellow vest, the protests over pensions. Abs- though. Absolutely. It's the third wave of violence that uh, President Emmanuel Macron has had to face since uh, since he was first elected. Uh, in 2017, we had in 2018, we had the yellow vests, as you, you mentioned, complaining about initially about fuel costs and, and cost of living. They were predominantly white. They were a good deal older than than the people on the streets this week. Uh, similarly, the the uh, protests we saw at the start of this year until very recently about raising the pension age from 62 to 64, again, predominant a great mix of people, but predominantly older people, predominantly white people. Now, the average age, according to President Macron, as he appealed directly to parents, the average age of people on the street currently is about 17. 
So uh, he and younger, but average age. So they're, they're teenagers. Um, they use social media quite skillfully to sloganize, to uh, to foregather, all that sort of stuff. They see conventional media, press, radio, television, online news services as part of, of the establishment in, in cahoots with the police and the government and the whole lot. Protesters hurl stones at police cars there and massed youths torch trash cans as police use tear gas to try to clear the crowds. Many took advantage of the chaos to go on a looting spree, attacking clothing and other stores. People are really concerned about the riots and the violence and all that. And uh, I want to say that's nothing new to to the French, to, like to, to French people. Living there, I've seen a lot of, I've seen people do like riots for less. I was home uh, about two months ago and I was, I was getting a burger at Burger King and all of a sudden a group of um, young teenagers, I, I would say it was a protest because we they were like some police just beside them, like they were doing nothing, but they literally set the trash cans on fire. And so, and you know, for someone who's probably new to that, who, be, who get scared or run off, I just stayed and finished my burger because like this was something that I felt like not the first time I would not be the last. The way to go forward is just looking into how much power they're giving into their police. Last year, 13 people were killed after refusing to stop for police traffic checks. With a law change in 2017 that gave officers greater powers to use their weapons, now under scrutiny. En l'état des investigations. Based on the information gathered so far, the public prosecutor considers that the use of the firearm was not legally justified. John, what do you think will happen? Is Nail's family going to get the justice they deserve? Uh, or is this bigger in terms of legal reform where the authorities are concerned? Certainly, there are going to have to be visible police reforms and a very hard look again at, at police training. Policing is very complex business. It's 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 fragmented in France. You have you have the uh, municipal police. You have a, a, you know broken down by area. You have the gendarmes who at one stage used to actually uh, in, which basically means the people with arms translated into English. They at one point used to, used to report directly to the Ministry of Defence. Then you have units such as the CRS, who were basically a kind of riot police. Uh, the slogan in 68 was CRSSS. So it's complicated, but it will have to be tackled. Macron meeting 220 mayors, basically the mayors of all the places which have seen violence arising from this. The mayors are very much in the front line frequently on the street when these kind of disturbances are happening. On Sunday night, Monday morning, the mayor of one of the suburbs of France, his home was ram-raided and firebombed and his wife and two young children had to flee. So the mayors are pretty fed up. They, they feel that they have been ignored in all of this and that Macron is only turning to them now because he's got a real problem and he doesn't quite know what to do. I mean, he's quite frankly all but admitted that. So there, they, it's a, quite a dilemma because the only way they're going to immediately stop this violence is hard, hardcore policing, which in turn risks feeding the problem and feeding, you know, and turning it into a, a spiral. So um, 
certainly we will look for something to come from the talk with the mayors. Uh, there is also the ever-present danger of a backlash. Marine Le Pen, the head of what was previously called the Front National, the hard right party, now they call themselves the Rally for France. She got 42% in the presidential election in uh, last April, 12 months. That's a heck of a vote. She hasn't said anything up to this ab- about the issue. She was very vocal uh, when there was an incident at the start of June uh, where where uh, I would think somebody with with serious mental health problems, but uh, an asylum seeker stabbed children and pensioners in a playground in the south of France. And she uh, repeated her refrain that this government is far too lax on migration. So that that's in the mix. But let's recall the young boy who was killed the other week, the two who were killed in 2005, they're French citizens. They're born and reared in France. You know, so it's about the the difficulties of integration. Some of these people on the streets are third and fourth generation French people, but they don't feel they belong. I see you nodding there, Sylvia. I'll bring you in. What's your own thoughts on on the rise of the far right? I mean, it has to be worrying how popular Marine Le Pen is. Yes, um, I just think that her reason for staying silent right now is I hope it's just because she believes or she knows it's just the wrong timing. Um, because she has, uh, she has, like you said, she had 40, 40, 42%. 42%. That is a large number because like she... Like she's very far right, so she had so many strong opinions about migrations, and so to to really to say something right now would just be you know explosive. Explosive is literally you know pressing the the wound already on on the family. So I hope that this specific case that she stays sensitive to the subject because her life was lost. So I, I don't think this would be the time for her to use this as, you know, to kind of push whatever um, agenda she she has. It's important to note in that vein that uh, fundraising for the policeman, for his defence fund, for the policeman who was charged with, with homicide in this, uh, is attracting huge figures. And I think it's already into six figures. So that that tells its own story also about a, a divided society. And my thanks to Irish independent journalist Sylvia Morodian and John Downing for joining me today. I'm Siobhan McGuire and today's episode of the Indo Daily was produced by myself, researched by Sylvia Omorodian, recorded by Niall McMonagall with sound by Gavin Hennessy. Archive clips from France 24, CNN, CNBC, Sky News, BFM TV, CBS, the BBC and independent.ie. If you enjoy the Indo Daily, don't forget to like, follow and leave us a review.